podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap, sponsored by Reds Bet. 50% of Reds Bet's profits find their way back to support a chosen causes and initiative. So if you want to know more about that, go to redsbet.com. I'm Gareth Roberts. Neil Atkinson is away. He's got married over the weekend, so congratulations to him and Sam. Uh, with me to talk about Liverpool and things around Liverpool, even though there's been an international break, are Jay McKenna, Ian Salmon, Rob Gutman and Fuad Hassan. Uh, it is a bit of a mixed bag this week with the international break, no Liverpool match to get stuck into and lots of other Anfield app shows coming up that will get stuck into what we've already seen and what is to come. Transfer gossip too, there's going to be loads on tour player this week so don't worry about that. But all that being the case, I thought we'd use this show to talk a little bit about everything, uh, as it were. And as we've got uh, Jay McKenna with us, who is the chair of Spirits of Shankly, I thought we'd use the opportunity to talk about a couple of things that SOS have been involved in lately. One of which is, uh, it was World Mental Health Day uh, last week, and there was a, a film that went out uh, called Through the Storm. Uh, Jay, you were involved in this. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, mate? Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd been... Um, we 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 as Spirit of Shankly had spoke to the club I think a couple of years back. One of our committee members, Joe Blot, I think who's done something on this last week on it. He he contacted Liverpool and said, you know, it's World Mental Health Day. You know, would it be good? Would the club be interested in doing something? Um, and if I'm honest, they were they were sort and knew a bit about it. This was pre Tony, if I'm really honest, honest and you know. You know, we we said you know could they put something in the program because of our, our view was you know they have a reach they can they can get to many more people you know and, and you see Liverpool talking about it it's a bit more normal than you know the NHS talking about it it didn't really go anywhere and then um, you know obviously the, the there's the sad case of Neil Hughes more recently Mick Woodburn and we'd gone back to Liverpool in the meantime after Neil um, and said you know is there something the club can do and Tony was in post now and Tony was quite aware that you know. This is an issue for lads in or around the match. Um, and Joe Blotter, who's been doing work with the Pillman Health Consortium, you know, we, we've been supporting their events and promoting, you know, just the idea you can talk to your mates, that you should ask your mates yeah. to be okay and that you can go to your mates if, if you're not feeling feeling too good about yourself. Um, and we, we were talking to Tony, I remember having a chat with him on, on Dale Street, we were, we were just chatting and he, he said, you know, the club are looking to do a bit of a documentary. There's the story of obviously Jason McAteer and his... It is depression that he's spoke openly about in Chris Kirkland and the club, the LFCTV, were looking to do a documentary with those two talking about it from a footballer perspective. And we sort of we bumped in then to Mark Platt and Phil Reed and Paul Chilton and stuff like that from from Liverpool, and they were saying, well, maybe we can involve supporters and talk about their experiences. So um, anyone who has watched it, and if you haven't, I certainly age to. So there's a there's a Neil uses dad is is interviewed by Jason McAteer and Neil's mate James Brown. Some people might recognise from the match, but others will recognise he actually works in Anfield. Um, so you'd see his face, things of maintenance stuff. You'd see his face inside the ground, um, and they talk about the experience of Neil, who, who, who killed himself and finding him. You know, having to, to 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 go and find him, and how do you remember him? And then I was interviewed talking about stuff I'd said on mental health, but also about what we're trying to do, which is to is to get people talking about it. So, yeah. you know, I think that the club really should be commended because. You know, I think we we often criticise the club when they don't use their voice particularly well. Um, but on this, I think they've they've seen that you know this is an issue for supporters, not because it's about what happens on the pitch, but because they have an opportunity to to speak to lots of people. Um, you know, there was there was something in the program about it. There was the program all day. You know, on 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 social media on the on the tenth when they, they released it that 
they know they can work with supporters to tell stories that might help someone else and it might mean that someone else can, you know, approach a mate or that someone else is in a position now that if it happens to them, they can, um, you know, they can help. That if a mate tests them, I'm not feeling good, they, they know what to do. They know that they just need to speak to them about it. Um, because it is, you know, the thing for us and one of the things we talked about in the documentary is people go to the match and the match is a good thing. You know, yeah. the match, you know, I, I, I don't... What my experience was 18 months ago, and the match was a good thing. I went to the match and it was a distraction from lots of stuff. So you don't spot at the match that someone's not feeling themselves, but it is an opportunity. You know, we spend lots of time there where we will be talking about whether someone's good or someone's bad, whether the manager should have done this or he should have done that. And it's an opportunity to just say to your mate, maybe people you don't see as often now, to just say, How are you? And then when they say, Oh, you know, the inevitable thing that, and I want to say lads, because it is a big problem for men, yeah. it is the biggest killer of men. You know, under 35, you know, it's the thing that's most like, you know, for all the time we worry about crossing roads safely and, you know, people drinking too much and stuff like that. This is the thing that kills you. It's yourself. You know, it, it's a big problem. But we don't take that time when someone's at home sound. You know, everyone does it. You yeah. you might be tired this morning, Rob, and you'll say, say, how are you? I'm sound, you know. You're not. You're tired, but you don't talk about You don't get into that. So is there an opportunity for us to just follow that up and just say, I haven't seen you at the match lately. Do you, want, do you want a pint after the game? You know, that thing where you just like, you, you, you create a conversation where someone might just say, you know what, I'm not feeling great here. I'm just not feeling myself. And, you know, might not be that as a mental health. It might just be that works bad. You know, why can't we have them moans? And you know, one of the things I've, I've picked up on this and I sort of alluded to in the documentary is women don't have this problem because they do do that. They do talk to each other about work and about family and stuff like that. And men, thankfully more often we are talking about it, but men don't sit around and talk about how they're feeling about something. And for some people, that becomes a, a more significant problem. And, you know, hopefully the documentary, you know, explores some of them. It, it certainly is worth a watch. It's very difficult. Oh, you know, I won't, won't lie to you, but there's some moments in it which are incredibly, incredibly hard to watch, even if you haven't got an experience of mental health, if you have. There'll be lots of it where I'm sure you're, you're nodding to yourself. I was going, oh my God, that's exactly the feeling I sort of describe. But, you know, there's, there's, there's some very hard bits to watch, but it's certainly worthwhile. Well, it's on LFC TV and it's also on uh, the YouTube channel of uh, of Liverpool's YouTube channel. Ian, you want to yeah. say something? I've I've not had a chance to watch it yet. I, I obviously saw it on World Mental Health Day being advertised. I saw the, the chat about it. And it's something I intend to watch because I think the vast majority of us will admit that we've had mental health issues of some kind at some point. Um, th- this isn't football related and... On Thursday night, I was at a play with a friend and she was saying the same thing. I was having a conversation with her. Um, we were talking about the fact that men don't talk about this. Women do talk when they get together. On Saturday night, I had reason to ring a mate at one o'clock in the morning. I was the blue when usually neither of us are going to be up. But there was just a reason to ring him. And he, it was the phone call. He needed that phone call at that point. Not drastically needed the phone call, but the phone call was something that just, it was a, it was a good thing to receive at that point. So, if you've got that gut instinct that you should ask your mate something or you should ring your mate just to check in and see he's okay, just do it because you, yeah. ne- you never know the moment that's needed. And, and Rob, it's good, isn't it, that, you know, obviously, you know, Liverpool Football Club, you want them to win football matches, buying players, mm. all that kind of stuff. But the fact that they'll put resource into something like this, which is, is important and is important to so many people who are going to the game, it's a good thing to see, isn't it? Yeah, as, as Jay says, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time bashing the club on, on yeah. things. But they've not been slow, slow to react here. And we, we seem to be getting seeing that face of them more and more. I like to think it's progressive thing, uh, moves like a 
putting Tony Barrett in position, uh, yeah, you do feel they are more aware. You do feel they're not, uh, even though the you know the, the key custodians aren't there every day, they certainly put the systems in place. That's encouraging. A few other things to mention. Uh, there's a night coming up, uh, Friday the 2nd of November at the O2 Academy in Liverpool called Talk Tonight. And that is a night in memory of Mick Woodburn and Neil Yoz-Hughes. Uh, all proceeds to Paul's Place and James Place Charities. Uh, there'll be more details coming out about that soon. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, Jay Wire is as well, as well, is there's going to be a collection, isn't there, uh, at the Cardiff City game for, for Sean Cox's family? Yeah, um, we. Yeah. I think anyone who's. You know, read Sean's story certainly recently as his wife Martina gave it gave an interview to the Irish Independent. Um and and friends of his involved in the GAA club in in in, in are wanting today's funds and I think initially there was talk of half a million euros, but up to two million euros needed for Sean after he's sort of funded for the next twelve weeks for rehabilitation. You sort of, you know, it's on your own kind of thing mm. and you know, they're looking at the best options for him. Um, and that that sum of money is huge. You know that we can't, you know, can't can't imagine it. You know, it's not like oh, we'll do a raffle and you raise a couple of grand, and it's like think, you know, that doesn't make a dent. Um, so you know, I know the club are talking about stuff. We've had conversations with Tony who, who again. You know, this this isn't the Tony Barrett's great show, but it, you know he's done brilliant stuff. Tony's you know really stood on for the family. You know, I think that it, it lots of it's on scene. You know, mm. the, the the time he spent doing stuff and trying to support things, and the club are looking at things they can do. But we said. You know, supporters will want to do something sooner rather than later. Um, at least as a symbolic thing, but just to show Sean and his family that we're thinking about them. And Mono on our committee has been been speaking to to Sean's brother an awful lot there over, obviously, for the trial that's taking place at the minute. And we sort of said, well, you know, let's let's look at you know getting people at the ground, see if we can do a bit of a collection. So we're currently in the the planning phase for that. Literally counting how many turnstiles there are and how many buckets we've got and stuff like that. So if anyone's listening to this, you know. Keep an eye out on our social media. Um, we'll be putting out a call for volunteers in the coming days, but mainly if you're a fundraiser or a charity and you've got spare collection buckets, that means we don't have to go and buy them and you can drop them off to us. It'd be helpful uh, just so that we can get them out there. And, you know, you know, I think we were thinking, you know, it's it's not easy. You know, people don't have lots of spare money, but, you know, if everyone turned up to that ground, you know, ahead of the, the Cardiff game can give a pound, you know, it's a sum of money that, you know, helps Sean somewhat but shows... As family, more importantly, that we are thinking about something that hasn't been forgotten because you know it's unimaginable what, what they're going through, and I think you know this will hopefully be the start of a bit of fundraising to to help Sean and his family. We've got a worldwide fan base. If, if everybody were to chip in the equivalent of a pound, that covers it, doesn't it? You know that that this you can genuinely create some mass fear because the thing with Sean is that could have been any one of us because I know I was nearly walking down that road at that moment. Any one of us could have turned that corner and just been in that place where Sean was. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a, a GoFundMe page for those that won't be at the game, won't be able to make a donation that way. Uh, is, it is uh, GoFundMe.com uh, forward slash support Sean Cox. Uh, as Jay says, obviously a horrendous time for Sean's family. Uh, they are trying to raise a lot of money to try and get him all the support he can need, potentially treatment abroad and things like that. So if you can help, please do. Uh, lots of ways to do so. Obviously a collection at the Cardiff game and that GoFundMe page is GoFundMe.com forward slash support Sean Cox. All right then, so uh, the, the Reds then, uh, and the Reds more more accurately on international duty. Um, you've probably all seen that Van Dijk and Van Alden both scored uh, as Holland beat Germany 3-0. But what I thought was interesting is you saw you saw Genie's beaming face all over Instagram. He was given some kind of um, 
plate thing to mark the fact that he's reached 50 caps for his country. Uh, Firmino popped up on his Instagram as well and called him Ginaldinho uh, after, <laughs> his, after his brilliant goal at the weekend. Uh, and I just thought it's interesting that, you know, we, we obviously that's a big we, but, you know, lots of fans, if you like, will moan about internationals, me, me included. You've seen the manager slag off the, the Nations League as well and, and was calling it pointless. But it was quite clear that Genie loved that goal, loved that moment and enjoys internationals in general. And when he finishes his career, he can say, I got 50 odd caps or 60 odd caps or whatever it is. Also, an argument I would say that you know that goal maybe benefits Liverpool, and that you know it's a great goal, gives them some confidence, perhaps encourages the manager to play him further forward. Who knows? Um, but Phil, I'd start with you in international football in general. Uh, do we need to sort of be a bit more forgiving about it because we do, as a set of supporters, seem to moan about it quite a lot? I mean, I haven't watched any of it this this time, and I. I'd... I mean, I, I don't see the real appeal. I don't feel that that kind of drive to go and watch any of the games. And and you know, for the players, I think I think it's a pretty big thing for them because you see a lot of them. They're all very close to each other in the international teams. You see, you see at the tunnel in Anfield, if there's players from the same country and the opposition teams, they they go, they high five, they have a little bit of a chat. And and I think sometimes it can do them a bit of good, just just getting away in the change of environment, change of face. And I think I saw what sticks out for me last season was Firmino. I think he. He was going through a little bit of a tough spell and he went off with Brazil. I think he scored a goal. He looked a bit refreshed and came back and he was firing again. So hopefully we can see the same sort of effects with some of our players. Rob's genie, genie's goal, did you see it? Yeah, it's nice, it's isn't good, it? Isn't it? It's a Jet, bit like Gerard against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, it is like that. Well, from, from the first couple of angles I saw it, then I saw another angle, which was from higher up, and you just go, that German defence isn't there. He's, he, I thought, does he, does he drop a shoulder? Does he, does he swerve around? This goes diagonal. Those German defenders, I'm not, I am diminishing. They're going, that's a brilliant goal. It's a great goal. And, and do you know what's strange? Because it's a sort of a, what's a bittersweet moment because you think, and can you do that for us a bit more, Ginny? Yeah. And that's that. And again, that sounds a bit peevish because he's playing as a defensive midfielder these days. But but last season, I think the only you know, the, the criticism you'd have him as in his Liverpool career, and I think Klopp he said Klopp has said it to him: just score some more goals, please. Yeah, because he, he's got it in his locker. He's a technically a good. He's a technically a good footballer all round. He scored quite a few. He scored eleven. Is it for Newcastle that season before we buy him? Eleven and forty. Yeah, I've, I've got a stat here. He's got Go nine ahead. goals uh, for Liverpool and one hundred and two appearances. Six in his first season, two in the last one this. He's got nine for Holland in 51. Uh, he got 56 in 154 for PSV and 25 in 135 for Feyenoord. Um, so, so he's, very, he's a, his, his problem, I suppose, if it is a problem, it's not a problem. It's an asset. He's a very versatile footballer, mm. isn't he? And we're playing him defensively now, but he's done that. Even as centre half. Yeah, well, actually, you're right. Yeah, in, in three at Brighton last year. But he played in the holding role, I think, under Van Hal for Holland years ago. Um, so he's no stranger to that. And then being that sort of the number eight or the, or, or the, the midfielder who's breaking the lines. He sort of got it all, but I think the main thing that's encouraged me this season is I think whatever position you put him in, his level's gone up this year. Yeah, it really has. He's on balance out of Henderson, Milner, Keita, and him. He's just about the pick for me, I would say, and and they've all done okay to varying degrees. But he's been the pick of them, and as you say, in an international sense, getting those goals, getting that goal, sorry, getting that milestone, enjoying his week away. The fact the goals against Germany makes a bit is is a big deal. That's I think that's half the problem actually. I digress on international football is so much of it is against shit. 
you know, that's uh, it's and it's really hard to get off for, for for some of those games. If it was all sort of face-offs between the, the star players and there's a bit more FIFA, I think mm. I think you could get the younger generation into it. But it's well, hard. The, well, the Van Dyke thing's interesting, isn't it? Because he's ended up that you know there's still concerns about his rib injury, but mm. it seems to be that he actually wanted to play against Germany if, yeah. if, if the reports are to be believed, and then less so against Belgium. Um, so he plays against Germany, scores a goal, and then he's come back. Um, it still seems a bit of a grey area about who decides who plays when. Is it our doctors? Is it their doctors? Is it the player? Is it the manager? And it's a bit weird, isn't it? I, I think I think the smart modern club manager and a smart modern international manager make sure they have a dialogue, so that even isn't even a thing. Hmm. You get the impression Klopp's that sort of guy. Whether it always works, some international managers are going to put up blocks, aren't they? They're going to go, I'm, nope, he's our player. When he's our player, don't, you know, I'm not. I'm not being made to think about your concerns. But you look about the Van Dyke injury and the Salah one, and I think there's been a few City players who seem to be out the second games. And you do you do suspect the hand of collusion, sensible collusion between man, international managers and club managers going, okay, you have him, but it's in your. But Klopp would be within his right to say to Van Dyke's. Uh, international managers Coombe and, and to, to Salah's manager at Egypt level is you can play him into the ground but you know if, if we all do that he's not going to be available for the next international break you know we've got to work with each other he, Klopp will be able to say look I'm going to rest him I'm not going to play him the next six games on the bounce can you help out? Just to go back to what uh, Rob said Ian about, um, about the midfield and about CNG and he scored that type of goal really uh, Liverpool's Top three goal scorers last season outside of the front three were Coutinho, Chan and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Obviously, two of those definitely not going to play for Liverpool again. The other one probably not going to play this season. Um, it seems a little bit cheerless to discuss it, but we are where we are at international break. Uh, but Liverpool are joint top of the league. And yet there is a little underlying concern about the midfield. I mean, you know, you look at the fact that I've just said, but also the fact that there's only been three goals from midfield this season yeah. so far. Two of those are penalties from Milner. You know, do do we need more from someone and, and can that be Genie? Can there be a tweak where he's further forward? Well our midfield aren't scoring our front three aren't firing, but somehow we're joint top of the league and when we're pushing on November. I I think Genie's given himself um, a little bit of an issue as a player because Again, he has, as Rob said, he's proved to be so versatile for us because we buy him as basically, we expect him to be a 10, we expect yeah. him to be that attacking midfielder. And at his best, I, I was quite shocked by the stats because at his best, he's a one in three scorer. And we're not seeing that because for us, he's a one in 10. So I think there's clearly that goal of the night proves he's got the ability to score. And I, I didn't see the angle where the um, the defence disappeared altogether. So I was just taking it as a wonder goal. I'm going to count it as a wonder goal until I see the other angle. It is a good goal. It, it is. It's a cracking goal. And it shows, it shows the potential he's got to score. So what you could be seeing is we know that we're still embedding Fabino in the Liverpool way. We're, we're dealing with Fabino, dealing with Keita in the way we dealt with Chamberlain and Robertson. And they're getting into what Klopp actually wants over the first day of the season. What you could see post Christmas is Fabino as securing the holding role, and Wijnaldum playing further forward. You could see Fabino, Henderson, Wijnaldum as a more dynamic midfield because we've been lacking that bit of dynamism. Somebody breaking the lines in that way, he could take on what Chamberlain was doing last year, and he's clearly got the ability to do it. I think he's just he's presented that issue being like where we are at the moment. If you take on the six, then we're going to be safe. We know we know you're going to do the job there. Get Fabino good enough to play. You could see Wijnaldum playing far, far further forward. And it does just give us another option. And the fact that we can create options in midfield. You know, I've just given you a midfield three, not even counting our most expensive midfielder. I'm not even thinking of Keiter at that point. You could be looking at Keiter, Fabino, Wijnaldum. That, that could be your, 
if well, they chose three. Also coming back is Adam Lallana. Lallana's coming back. Yeah. He was the guy. He was the, the guy who got a few goals. We didn't score a lot from centre mid last season. Not huge. If you look moment. at it over, over the season. I mean, Coutinho's what, eleven or twelve in all comps. Two thirds of those are played as a, scored probably. I'm just guessing as a front three player. So to give even count them as midfield goals, uh, and those eleven are in three months. Yeah, yeah. So even if you if you look at the average throughout the season, we're not getting a hell of a lot of goals. I mean, our front three just score a ridiculous amount of goals. This no, but, I, but I, I don't think it's just about the goals. So I think last season, Oxley Chamberlain, defense, central defenders have to worry about him. That if he turns their midfield as he likes to do, drives, yeah, hitting drives at them, they've got to worry about him. So they've got to come out. And I was watching uh, on Saturday night that Sky had um, Salah's goals. Mm. And I was watching, I was thinking, teams just don't play that same way against us now. They sit, even City, West Ham, don't, if they just sit, they wait, they, they, they restrict that space. But if you have a midfielder in or around the box, that maybe have, have a shot, it, you know, like Coutinho used to, it, it adds something else. Yeah, you yeah. pick a goal up from somewhere else, and so then teams have got to come out and try and play against you because we've gone 1 0 up and we find space. Then that's what, that's what we were doing when we were blitzing teams. We'd score and then we'd blitz them because then they had to come out and play. They wanted to get a goal, they, they were a bit all over the place. When Alderman and our midfield, it, it, it might be an option for them. I know the Echo picked something up. This they, they were talking this week about Lalana coming back, saying maybe that helps cater that you know we can play a bit more, more withdrawn and Lalana will be that you know furthest forward midfielder. But in the games we've played so far, we haven't had a player do what Ronaldo done, where he runs past the front three, whether with the ball or without it, and that's meant that Firmino and that have dropped off. So you know it, it's good to see them doing it. Might give them a bit of confidence. It might you know brings players back. Happy, you know, you speak to players, it comes to the international football question, you speak to players, they love being involved in the business end of competitions because mm. they just love playing football. They don't want to train. They don't need to worry mm. about set pieces. And I know, I know we know we need to coach players and systems and stuff like that, but I reckon if you said to them, right, we're going to coach you on how to play against Man City or we're going to just let you go and play, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, I reckon they just say, go ahead, we'll play Wednesday, Saturday. Not bothered about being coached because they think they're good enough and probably by and large they are. They're at the elite level, and I think that comes to why they like playing international mm. football. These lads have grown up. You know, you if you were a, if you if you played footy in school, you know, you played for your school team, that was a thing. But then you probably wanted to play for Sefton or Merseyside because you wanted to be the best. You wanted, to, you know, if you played in the league, you know, there was a prestige of playing for the reps team that you know was across all teams against other t- leagues. International football is no different. Not these lads have grown up in their academy. They don't want to be the best in their academy team. They mm. want to be the best in their country. So they probably, you know, they've spent years, lots of them, going to play for the under 15s and 16s and 17s and 21s for, for the Netherlands. They probably like it as a chance to catch up with their mates, but there's still a thing about being the best. You know, yeah. these, these players, I hope no Liverpool player, you know, never wants to be the best. And I think, yeah, it's a problem for us international football because we know we're still there there about and we'd like to push on with the league. But it's a sign of having such a good squad that so many of them are internationals and are starters for the internationals look at even James Milner you know the conversation prior to this international break was whether Milner would ever come out of international retirement whether Gareth Southgate had asked them how good's that that even our retired players who haven't played for England for a number of years are playing that good that they should be international footballers you know I want all the pool players to be international footballers because it means we've signed the best players we can possibly sign so mm. you know I think we just have to take the rough with this move on that in terms yeah. of international football yeah, um, another and an, someone else in this sort of midfield conversation. I just wanted to get into this a little bit. Was um, people have been saying that maybe Shakiri can be there, maybe he can be the man who sort of breaks the lines, carries the ball, and all the rest of it. 
Uh, there's this constant sort of shit staring around him, I think, where they're trying to make out that there's a problem there when he hasn't done anything to suggest he's a problem whatsoever. Uh, so c- Clearly, someone's asked him this question again over the weekend, and he says, you don't have to keep me happy. The process has worked well for me so far, and sure, every professional wants to play, I do too, but there's still a lot of games to come, and on top of that, you need to look and acknowledge what has been done at Liverpool recently. A lot of people did a good job. That's why Everton hasn't been turned upside down overnight. What has happened is exactly what I expected. I decided to move to Liverpool, fully aware that I would have a harder time in a club of this standing than, for example, other clubs that tried to help me. Presumably by help me means tried to sign him. But he could have gone and been the sort of the big fish in a smaller pond than he's, cho- he's chosen to come to Liverpool. Seems happy with his loss. That's what he's saying there. But do you see him throughout getting a go in this this run that's coming up because it's sort of. It's a bit of an opportunity where if he's maybe a bit more of a flat track bully, well, he's got a, he's got an opportunity to start bullying. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think Klopp's telling any players any lies when he signs them, and and you know he, he's known and built his reputation on being open and honest. And I think Shakiri would have known from the beginning of their transfer negotiations that he's not just going to come in and walk into this team and and be given sort of free reign. And and you know the, the, this sort of tough run of fixtures, I think Klopp wanted to minimise the risk in terms of playing trying out different things, playing these different players and betting them in. But, you know, this game, we these run of games we got coming up now after the break, I think it's perfect for him. And, and you know, Huddersfield away, I, I'd be looking to get him in, getting him in that midfield. And, and you know, I think he does have that drive and that, that ability to beat a man. And, and, and as Jay was saying earlier, you know, cause that problem for centre-halves. And, and I think you saw that last towards the end of last season with Oxlade-Chamberlain. There was a little bit of a relationship built with Salah. And, you know, he was finding him with... with would passes gave him that extra yard of space by pulling away a defender and if we could bring that back it might just give him that little bit more freedom because you know you, you can't kind of contain all of them if, if everyone's sort of out there firing and yeah it's, it's, it's four appearances for Liverpool so far for Shaqiri but he started yeah. only two games and then obviously there's the one everyone's still talking about where he's he's hooked at half time yeah. after it in the bar with that amazing free kick uh, but, but again there isn't a problem with him is there no, um, it's two starts in the last five, so if having had none in the first seven, roughly. So he's, see, he's seeing progress, and I think he's looking at this. If you, Salamane and uh, Firmino hardly get any resting in that run of seven, then we, you know, rewind six weeks, we go, I wonder how, how, how the rotation is going to work over the seven games. We saw very little resting of, of the front three. I think this run of fixtures, which isn't quite as testing on paper, is not the Tottenham City and Chelsea fixtures. Arsenal's no. the only the tough one in the next few. I think there's a there's more of a case for for Shakiri starts, and he, he'll be he'll be encouraged. I think Klopp will have encouraged him before he signed that you're not just cover for the front three; you're covering midfield. So there's, there's options there. I think Oxley Chamberlain was told the same thing. They can all do the maths. It's not like you cover for the front three and we've already got six there to do that, like at City, you know. You come in there, you'll cover for cover. So for us, you go, well, literally just you're only there's only one place in front of you all the way through. So, yeah, he's, he's, got, every, he's got every reason to be coached. You also do wonder, just a final thing on this is, he's now been through two, two experiences or three sets of experiences, I think, in the last few years of his career. He was at Bayern where he's a bench player, does cameos. He's at Inter, which is a league he doesn't like. And he's at Stoke where he gets all the starts he wants, but they're shit. Yeah. And I, you sort of think he, he must be thinking... And about then he's the man, though, for Switzerland as well. Yeah, he's, he's, so he's probably thinking back on balance. 
maybe Liverpool represents a little bit of all of this, you know. And I've still got my Switzerland to keep me happy. Uh, and and as we said before, uh, the, you know, in the days it was coming up to the speculation on us signing him, he's allowed to all back himself. Mm. And I think we're seeing the same sort of attitude with Sturridge as well. I, I think there's also a case to be made that you know in this run you see you see Shakiri start with Sturridge because we saw them in pre-season where they're clearly building up a little bit of an understanding between each other on, on how each other plays. So I think there's there's a case for the the easier games in this run to see the two of them combine again and see what they can do because they then become an option later in the season. He does seem like a lad who seems very very balanced. He seems to have a good attitude to him. You know, all the talk before was, he's, you know, he's going to be a trouble cause. He's going to be... No, he seems like a player who was somewhere that he wants to be. It's probably the highest level he's going to get to. He's, he's had big moves before. It's not come off for him. He's not going to get a big move from us to, to elsewhere. Now, this is probably going to be the highlights of his career in the next three, four years. He's got a chance to possibly win things with us. He's got a chance to feature and be part of that squad. And, and we know that, you know, as Rob was saying, we expected rotation through those first seven games and we got absolutely none of it, basically. Now, the next seven you would expect, if not rotation, possibly a, these are the first 11 I'm going to start with each game. And then we'll bring in, you know, maybe Salah gets a fortnight off now. Maybe, you know, the fact he's still wearing strapping on his shoulder and it could be a, something to do with the fact that he's not been firing so far. Maybe he needs that little bit of a rest. So this could be a good run, you know, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Belgrade, Belgrade. And then obviously when we hit Arsenal, then you wheel out the big guns again. So it, it could be vital for the next four games. Uh, Lalan has been mentioned briefly, but uh, Henderson's been talking about him saying what um, what a big miss he's been. That he's a big talent. That not so long ago he was England's Player of the Year. Obviously, there's the issue Jay around his injury record. He only played 15 times for Liverpool last season. It's 30 now as well. But then at the same time, you know, on that video where Milner's running around and, and proving himself to be the fittest player at the club, it's actually Lalan who's second on that very same test. So there is something there. Um, I mean, we know Henderson's his mate. Um, so, I mean, how do you feel about his return? And do you see him making a contribution in that in that run that Ian mentioned? So, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Belgrade, Belgrade. I'd, I'd, I'd forgot about him to be honest until the, the article I mentioned that was mentioned the thing. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, we need we miss Chamberlain. You know, Kai said I'd hoped would have done it, but you know, hasn't quite hit the ground running on that in that respect. Um, and again, as I, say, I was watching the Salah thing, and then I read. Uh, the, the the salad you know golden gold stuff um and then I see the Lalana story and I think well maybe that is it maybe it is to try something because I do feel like Liverpool are in a bit of a phase where teams you know I always I always thought this of Leicester I didn't get how teams couldn't after three or four games figure out how to play against Leicester you scout them so much how haven't you learned that they're going to go try and go in behind the Vardy and stuff like that but it's just that their execution of it was so good and I think Liverpool's execution of something was so good last year that we're in a phase now where we're like we're still trying to execute that and it's just not coming off. So we've got to try and figure out maybe a bit of a different way to play sometimes or to, to get the best out of them. And, and it might be a little on it. It might be that, you know, we don't need them, you know, short and sharp and passing and crossing and stuff like that. But we just need that little ball in behind that player, you know, just flicks it through to, you know, to Sturridge if Sturridge is playing. Maybe. Mm. And I think that's why people are calling for Shakiri. I think the, the, the thinking, we need that player that stops for me and your having to drop deep to pick the ball up to play a little pass off that Lallana can look to do that. Uh, my fear with Lallana though is just that his age, when, when he came back last season and played, he just didn't look, he just looked weak. At, at even his shooting and stuff like that, I just didn't sense that there was a, a strength from him. I, I don't know what his, his game strengths are now, I don't know what, you know, his passing, his run, what, what, 
what does he offer? You know, whereas with Chamberlain, it's that he turns, he can drive with the ball. You know, he's got a good cross on him, but he can shoot as well. Mm. He can hit a ball. You know, Coutinho's also, he can have a pass, you know, little passes, shot from outside the box. There was clear identifiable strengths. And with Lallana, I'm not sure what it is, but we are in a stage where I think we have to try and figure it out. And the next run of games might give us the opportunity to do that. Because I, you know, like Ian's mentioned there, I'm pleased with the idea that, you know, we're top of the league and I know we're not playing very well. But you can only get away with that for so long. There will come at a point where you're like, you know, we've, we've seen it previously with Liverpool teams and any good team, you're not playing very well and then you then you don't get the results and, it, you know, you lose a few and we don't want to lose that momentum. Mm. So, you know, maybe it is, you know, you bring Lallana and he gets a half, you see whether there's something there to offer, whether he, whether it whether it just works. You know, Shakiri, the sub for Salah a couple of times, you know, has worked because he just offers something different. It gives the other team something different to think about. Um, and it might be a rocker up, you know, the backside of a Salah or a Mane and something like that. So, you know, I'd like to see us try that um, and give the lads a chance to play into form, maybe change the midfield to see if we can offer them something else. But, you know, you'd expect, even if we do make that change and Lallana doesn't come in very well there, you'd expect us to have enough to beat a Belgrade, um, you know, or, you know, other teams that we've got coming up. So it might be a nice opportunity for them to say, well, go ahead, I'm going to prove myself. I, it's not the most testing run no. so that I can come in and maybe prove myself and if I can get an assist and a goal then maybe and get a bit of rhythm yeah well maybe Lallana then is thinks you know this is the bit about signing players isn't it is it is it brings you up a level you know Genie Wijnaldum's turned up this year because he knew players were going to come in yeah. you know I, I thought Wijnaldum has been really good for us since the derby last year when he played and he was playing as the last man you know in midfield and he was he was literally trusting himself to ride the challenge and turn, the, t- turn around all the time and I think you know Ishikiri now, you know, putting a bit of pressure on others to say, well, I'm I'm the first sub, I'm first change. Well, can Lallana come in and say to Ishikiri, now nah, you know I'm first change, and then suddenly Mane and Salah or someone else is thinking, well, we could be first sub here, and I'm not being first sub every week, so they step up a bit, and you know you get a bit more out of Shikiri that he becomes a starter because suddenly Lallana's first sub, and he's got that option off the bench, so you know it could it could be a good thing for the team mm. where they're like, you know, we've all you know. Not been at our best apart from you know a couple of the midfielders like Milner and Monaldum and that. Now it's time to turn it on. Now it's time to be that thing. And you know Henderson. Does it say to Henderson? Well, you because know, I I think part of the problem in our midfield with Monaldum, Milner and Henderson, the way they play for Liverpool anyway, is that they're all a bit similar. Yeah. They're yeah. all a bit industrious. Yeah. They're all a bit take the ball off someone else and give it to someone else. And is it saying to them, well, now you know, now you've got to step up because now we've got these lads who can create back a bit. You know, Monaldum's playing well, all Alana's back and Shakiri's chomping at the bit. Listen, I'm going to play these in midfield. And suddenly it's like, well, I've got to offer a bit more now. I've got to be a bit on my game, a bit more in creating chances because I don't feel like we're getting, you know, I don't know the stats, but it just feels like watching it. They're a bit same-ish, they're not, Joe, they're I think not breaking really... the line, they're not offering something different. I didn't, if you look, I, I think if you look at the fixtures we've had, Klopp throughout his Liverpool time, and I think Rodgers did this to an extent, they had two modes. They basically would either, and Klopp especially, they play with four attacking players. So we have focused on the front three, but for, for many games last season, there was also Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as a fourth attacking player. Was this season we've had three attacking players and three, not defensive, but three, as you say, industrious players. And that's suited because if you think the games of that last seven, we had PSG, PSG, Napoli, Spurs, City, Chelsea twice. And even before those tougher games, you're away at Palace, you're away at Leicester. You, you can't afford two in midfield. You're going to get, you're going to get overrun. So I think there's a degree to which I think we think Liverpool have looked solid and blunter. What's well, because Collapse wanted us to be solid and blunter because otherwise there's a danger. 
you concede more goals. And I think we've just worked off that base. What's interesting now, this phase last season, we had Coutinho back in the fold. And so we went with the front four with him behind yeah. the front three. And we were facing these kind of fixtures. Huddersfield came along almost exactly this time. We haven't got Coutinho now, but we do have Shakiri, We do have Lalana. Kaita, I think, still got more to more There's to come. More. Yeah. So I think the interesting to see there, I think we'll see, I suppose what I'm, I'm struggling to say, but I'm labouring to say this, I think we'll see a bit less of Wijnaldum, Milner, Henderson. We'll see a bit more of two out of those three plus another. I think I think there's a horses for course of things as well because I think the, the, the Henderson, Wijnaldum, Milner, when we played PSG at home, we've only played them at home, obviously, the three that we played wasn't the usual a one and a two pivots. It was a flat line of three. Mm. So they were there to defend. They were there to make sure that we kept hold of the ball and that we weren't going to lose out anywhere. I thought they were magnificent that night as the whole team was. I think on the Lalana front, I think what Lalana can give to us is what he's always given to us. He's got fantastic feet. He's brilliant at retaining the ball yeah. high up the pitch and always has been. We're not going to need him to be the first press, first trigger on the press anymore because under in Klopp's first season, that was his role. He was the trigger for the first press. And we're not pressing as vigorously as we were then. We're more about control this season. So I don't think we need that from him. So we're not going to need the dynamism. But he's still got the ability. Same as, you know, storage. The one thing that we all know of storage is his feet are fantastic. Lalana's got that as well. So in terms of retention, this, he could be great for a European away where you want to keep the ball and you want to keep the ball high up. Red Star Belgrade away, yeah, we should be going out there to destroy them. Obviously, that's what we'd want. But if you think it's going to be a bit tricky, you're keeping the ball. Maybe against Napoli, Lalana high up the pitch might have been that safer option. Well, th- this run that is coming up, we keep talking about that. It looks a little bit easier just to offer a bit of detail on that. Huddersfield away Saturday, their third bottom, no wins, only scored four in eight games and they've conceded 17. Red Star, the following Wednesday, obviously PSG beat them 6-1 um, and we beat PSG. That's like the thing you used to do with school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're the best ever. We, we win the French League. Us. And, Are uh, we uh, legally allowed to talk about the PSG versus Red Star game at the moment? I don't know. Don't get into that. Eh? Uh, Cardiff City home a week on Saturday as well. Their bottom no wins, scored four and conceded 17. So it... There's never a good time to get injuries, obviously, for but you know, um, over the weekend we see Mo Salah substituted in the 88th minute, scores from a corner, but then he, he's offered this what was described as a muscle uh, strain, but not rupture, um, and then this assistant coach uh, talking about him needing radiation to determine the injury. I think that means an X-ray, doesn't it? Um, Turn into a superhero. <laughs> yeah, bit mad. Uh, obviously, Van Dyke as well, like we mentioned earlier, returning with this rib problem that we knew he had anyway. Milner likely out. So either way, whatever, whatever we think about all those things we've just discussed, there's gonna be, there's likely gonna be changes. But is it almost not the worst time for there to be changes? No, I think I think it's it's perfect in the, in a sense because you know you got these players like. Sturridge and Shakiri, especially Sturridge, I think, who's who's really been kind of making a case for himself. And and you talk about you see how Klopp's been talking about him being in his moment and and really firing. And he's had this two weeks off where he's hopefully maintained that form and uh, on the training pitch. And and you know it'd be, it it would just be I think it's important to have players that you can kind of phase in and and phase out throughout the season. I think you saw that with Milner last season coming in towards the end. And I think you probably see Milner phasing out I think in this run of games and uh, I think the first sort of patch was all about kind of maintaining a bit of a solid foundation to build on and then hopefully we'll see our real kind of attacking free-flowing football this time and and you know Shakiri 
I, I really do think he can be a really big part of that just because he does provide that fourth option in attack and and you know if Salah maybe just needs a little bit of time to get fully fit, you know, as Ian said earlier about his shoulder and all these little niggles, you just feel like there's been a lot on his sort of plate over the last few months with the World Cup and, you know, his whole thing with Egypt and everything like that. So maybe it might just do him a bit of good, just just kind of getting out, sorting himself, sorting himself out fully and getting back on the pitch kind of fully fit without anything kind of lingering over him. So, yeah, I think... It probably has come at a good time, especially with the runner games, but also because we've got players who are really kind of chomping at the bit to get out there. Rob, even even at centre half as well, this feels like a, a a runner games where there's almost been like a, an an inherent panic anytime we thought Van Dijk is not going to be available, hasn't there? You know, we've all been like, oh no, no, you know, it'll all sort of collapse if Van Dijk isn't around. But if Van Dijk doesn't play against Huddersfield or Van Dijk doesn't play against Cardiff, you know, there shouldn't be that panic, should there? No, no. I mean, I think I think again. Our, our sort of sense of nervousness in the season so far is just because we've almost taken the type of fixtures we've been getting as as the norm, and it's not the norm. Yeah. You know, I've just rattled off that that list of sixteen. Really it's hard. It's yeah. really, really tough. It's not the norm. They're not our bread and butter. What's coming up is our bread and butter. And you know, Degsy Lovren didn't didn't deserve to lose this place. If you've got any doubts about Van Dyke. I don't. I wish, in a way, I do wish that it was Cardiff at home rather than Huddersfield away. And I know Huddersfield are not doing well at the moment, but I still think an away game is an away game. I'd rather be resting Van Dyke, maybe Red Star at home, maybe Cardiff at home, and seeing if he's okay to play against Huddersfield. But it, it is right that we use the squad. Um, I think I think Klopp has to have confidence in the squad because if, if, if we just sort of go on a wing and a prayer and go, oh, I'm sorry, no, it's too terrifying without Van Dijk, we will lose him for a month at some point this season. It's going to happen, so we, we need to be ready for it. Can I just ask a, a dumb question? Did Joe Gomez play for England? In the no, week? he's playing tonight. tomorrow. Tonight, is it? Tonight. He didn't play the other night, though. He didn't play the other night, but he's, he's due to play tonight. So we're not, we don't mention Joe. I mean, Joe's... Joe's I mean, oh, yeah, we've had a really sensible conversation about international football, but yeah, don't get injured tonight, Joe. Yeah, please. just don't. <laughs> and also... Gomez, I wouldn't say he's an injury-prone player, aside from that one terrible injury he had. But, you know, he's not a lad who will give you 38 games, I don't think. That's not been his history. He will he will pick up a niggle here and then. So I don't think Klopp will want to play him absolutely every week. So, between, so you look at Huddersfield and Cardiff and Red Star and you think you don't want to see Gomez and Van Dijk playing every minute of all three of them. Yeah, I'd be quite happy seeing Gomez alongside Lovren. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer not to see Lovren and Matip together. Mm. Uh, but you would imagine if you're going to have them together at any point. Huddersfield and Cardiff. Didn't anyone down the other week. No, he didn't. He didn't do badly at all. He's, he's done nothing wrong. Um, neither has actually done anything greatly wrong when we've seen them this season. So um, if you have to play the two of them, now would be a good time to play the two of them. But I think Gomez, when Gomez came on for Van Dijk, I can't remember what game it was in now. Um he came on as a sub for Van Dijk and played alongside Matip, but but dropped right into the Van Dijk role and played on the left instead of the right. And he was magnificent that night. I can't remember what game it was for the life of me. It was Southampton. Yeah. But he was magnificent. He came on and he, he had the authority that Van Dijk has. He just he, The lad carries natural authority with him. So if it's Van Dijk or Gomez plus one of the others in the, the run of the next four games, that's absolutely fine. I think our first choice since backup partnership, obviously, is Van Dijk and Gomez. So you'd want to see them for Arsenal, you'd want to see them for Everton. But the rest of the run, there's there's rotation possible there. As you said, you did, Gomez had a problematic season last season with injury, um, but it was the one big injury that caused him. Then he was playing with the remnants of that injury mm. through the end of the season. So as he grows through his career, we've got to think he is still only 21. 
he could get, you know, at, well, 19, Gerard was still injury prone, wasn't he? He, yeah, was, he was. wasn't getting full seasons yeah. in. So by the time he's 21, I think he's actually hitting it. But as he grows old in his career, you'll get more full seasons out of him. Well, there will be more on what teams uh, Liverpool are likely to, to face, what, what teams they might put on the pitch themselves, what we should expect approach-wise. There's going to be loads of shows this week getting into all of that. The video preview show of Huddersfield to come to and the daily talk and red stuff as well. Loads and loads of Anfield rap content this week. Uh, I think we've done well to shimmy around all of that and give those people who are hosting those shows an opportunity to talk about something. Um, but yeah, so get on to all of those. This has been the free Anfield your app show sponsored by Red's Bet. Do check them out. Uh, thanks to everyone for today and thanks for Andy for producing. That has been the Anfield Rap. Sports Social Podcast Network.